Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, I'm Lauren Curry, the founder of Upfront. We're an organisation on a mission to change confidence for 1 million women and non-binary people by 2023. And we do this in three ways. We transform your relationship and habits around confidence, power and visibility through our six-week online course. Each cohort is called a bond. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women and over a thousand women have graduated from a bond from over 20 different countries. We build community, real, genuine, human community, where women learn how to stand up for themselves and each other. We hold each other to account. We celebrate each other and learn together. Our community is Global Bond. We create content that will inspire, challenge and motivate you to be upfront. We are here to change confidence, not women. Upfront Moment is designed to kick your week off with confidence, self-compassion and agency. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. Thank you so much for the kindness and love that you sent my way after last week's Upfront Moment. I must admit I did have quite a significant vulnerability hangover the next day was feeling a bit wobbly. So I am so grateful to all of you who messaged me, who shared your story with me. It makes it all worthwhile knowing that my story has already helped you. So thank you. And this week, I've got an excellent upfront moment coming up for you with a very special guest, Vicky Pavitt. Vicky Pavitt is a love and dating coach. She has been working in this space, supporting women for over a decade. Together, we asked some juicy questions. What does a feminist relationship look and feel like? What does fairness and equity look like in a relationship? Why is dating so difficult? Why are women so burned out by the current dating culture? And what role does confidence have to play in creating healthy relationships in the first place? And so much more. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. And don't forget, all you need is love. Welcome to Upfront Moment, Vicky. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And thank you to Jen, who is our mutual friend. Jen is a, a global bonder who introduced us. And I believe you've been working with Jen. Yeah, still am. I'm actually seeing her today um, on Zoom, not seeing her, but yeah, connecting with her later today. Yeah, so thank you, Jen, for bringing us together. And the reason that I asked Jen to introduce me to you is that you are an expert immersed in all things love, dating, intimacy, relationships. And from my perspective, confidence is a huge part of all of those things. And that's the the piece that I'm interested in. And I know that my community 
you know, these topics come up come up a lot in the bond. Um, we have bonders who are dating. We have bonders who are getting married, getting divorced, learning how to be single, and everything in between. So before we get into the kind of juicy stuff around that, I'd love you just to tell us who you are, your story, the mission you're on, or what you care about. Yeah, so I'm a love and dating coach, and I work with women who want to partner, women who want to be in a committed relationship, but who find dating to be such a source of stress and anxiety. And I help them to date with more confidence, to love with courage, and to be on their way to the relationship that they really want to be in. And what I really care about is women having a kinder dating experience. So women feeling safe to express themselves on dates, feeling safe to advocate for themselves on dates. And ultimately I care about women feeling joy and feeling fulfillment in their relationships in a way that really enriches their life. And I think that so many things get in the way of that. And um, as you say, confidence is a massive, massive part. And I think that the problem that I'm seeing with women, the women that I'm working with, is that modern dating is really hard and modern dating is actually burning women out. Um, one of the big causes of that is just dating itself, like dating culture and the way that we date at the moment. Um, and I can talk all about that, tell you more about that. But yeah, confidence is a huge part of that because if you don't feel confident to, you know, express yourself on a date or advocate for yourself on a date, then you don't have the confidence to date as the fullest expression of who you are. And then you don't get that chance to be seen and known in in a relationship, which is what, you know, what we all really want. Um, so confidence, yeah, plays a huge part in our, our capacity, you know, to love and be loved. Mm. I love the expression of to love with courage. That's really beautiful, like a beautiful articulation and expression, I think, of what your work is all about. I mean, how did you get here? How did you land in this space with this mission yeah so I've always been really fascinated about relationships I've been reading books and god magazine articles probably around that time like since a teenager so you know do you remember like J17 and I was reading you know Mears yeah <laughs> shout god I love shout um and you know since I think I actually I found um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus that I'd found in a charity shop when I was like 14. And oh God, that book is so outdated now. But what it did is it helped me to see that um, there we can have differences in relationships and that we can have different ways of relating um, in relationships. And that was the thing that really sort of, I guess, rose my awareness about um about relationships and why they can be tricky um alongside that i i grew up where in my family i I just saw examples of how not to do it in terms of um being in a healthy relationship and you know dysfunctional relationship dynamics um and i remember 
um, my teenage boyfriend, my first love, his family were just such a role model for me because they were a real sort of, um, they had a relationship that I'd never actually seen before and it was very loving, very respectful, very supportive, very encouraging. And, and that relationship, seeing that at the age of 15 had a huge effect on me because it helped me to see that love like that is possible and kind of open my eyes that, you know, if you could learn to be good at love, that we could learn to be good at relationships, then, you know, the relationship that we really want is possible. Uh, and that sent me on a path of um, studying psychology and learning about attachment theory. And then when I graduated, I just sort of got um, into like media marketing jobs for a long time, probably for about a decade. And I kind of forgot that passion. Um, and it wasn't until, oh God, it must have been about 12 years ago where I started to ask myself, I started to notice how unfulfilled I was in work and started to like go back you know when you do sort of career change exercises and they're always like what did you love to do as a child what were you interested in as a child and that really um kind of reconnected me to that passion that I've always had and um and then um studied NLP, studied EFT tapping, um, continued to study relationships um, in all sorts of ways and became a coach uh, nine years ago. It was nine years ago. Okay, and you've had so much success. Like your 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 CV is, is a wonder, you know, when you look at Amazon best-selling books, podcasts with a million downloads, incredible clients... Now you've set up your own practice. You know, I'm really curious to look underneath of what, what's been your confidence journey over over that path. Yeah, I think that running your own business uh, is has been, I think has taught me the most about my own confidence because a bit like dating, you know, it can bring up all your fears and anxieties and insecurities, the requirement to show up, um, to be vulnerable, you know, it can bring up all those kinds of fears and, and insecurities and stories of not being good enough, feelings of um, inadequacy. And having to face those fears has been really, has helped me with my courage, I think, courage and confidence, because for me, like exposing myself to what I fear is the way that I develop courage and confidence to just, you know, do those things that scare me and get myself ready for them and get the right support and then go and do that scary thing. And then that has expanded my comfort zone, I think. And yeah, it's been a huge journey. Uh, but I noticed that like, that it's not a linear journey, like with confidence, you know, I still like, yeah, like I was nervous this morning about this podcast because I really care about what I'm talking about. And sometimes, you know, that can have me feeling a bit overwhelmed or overstimulated. And so this confidence is something that even though I've done a lot of things that have scared me, um, it's still something I work on like daily so that I'm able to really, you know, show up in the way that I want to be showing up. 
I love that and it echoes my experience completely and that's part of what we talk about up front is that there is no end date there's no finish line you know this your relationship with confidence is is forever and it ebbs and flows and there's no there's no destination and I think that framing can be quite liberating because in accepting that framing you're also accepting that this is is not something that I can acquire and kind of box off as you know tick I've 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 acquired the confidence I want to have yeah there was something that you you said um when I saw your swimming so we were just talking about swimming morning swimming before we hit record and I noticed on your Instagram there's something you said about activating confidence that that was a way that you activated confidence and I I love that word activate because that and language is so important around this stuff I think that that word helps to really bring that to life that actually is an evolving thing you know that we don't just as you say get to this point where we're like right I'm confident now that's done what's next it's like you know there are all sorts of ways that we can activate that confidence within ourselves and um and that we can you know learn so much you know along the way yeah it is a brilliant word because it also implies the bias of action it's like you have to do stuff you can't think your way into confidence you can't think your way out out of your comfort zone you know and I think people often get get stuck get stuck in their head and get stuck in their thoughts when it comes to this kind of notion of boosting their own confidence but yeah I'd love to know about what you see in the in the women that you work with so you know we all I think we're all on the same page that all humans want to love and want to be love we want to receive love and give love I wonder what are the and this is a hard question, but what are the kind of three biggest challenges that you see as patterns across the women that you're working with at the moment when it comes to this idea of receiving love and giving love? Yeah, so I think um, within dating, because dating is so hard and because of the the culture and the way that we date. So for example, you know, the there are more people on dating apps than ever before. You know, there's more apps than ever before, more people on them. But that that level of choice, that increase in choice isn't always helpful. Um, and it's created what's known as a, a paradox of choice. And that's a, a term that... Um, you've probably talked about this, uh, Barry Schwartz, a psychologist, he termed this um, uh, this idea of, you know, the more choice we have, the harder it is to choose. And I think that that is really, um, that makes um, commitment really hard because for women who want to be in a committed relationship and who are using dating apps because they want to meet someone um, and find their partner, you know, with people dating in this way, it creates this sense of disposability and depersonalization in dating, where we see, you know, dating profiles as just a number rather than a person, which gives rise to dating trends like ghosting, um, 
breadcrumbing, orbiting, there seems to be a new term every week. Um, but I think these terms really describe how hard it is to really um, form commitments um, when we're dating. And so that's one piece that dating is really hard and the problem isn't always with, you know, if you're having struggles, it's not your fault necessarily that you're having struggles just because it's really hard to date and find a committed relationship using dating apps at the moment is possible but it's hard um but I think what happens is sometimes we don't expect it to be hard or we don't expect things like ghosting so when it happens we can internalize that um rejection or internalize the struggles that we're experiencing and think it's our fault that we're doing something wrong and I noticed that two big questions um, when women start love coaching programs with me, they're asking two big questions. What am I doing wrong and what's wrong with me? And this, I think, really sort of speaks to that because actually it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's just that this is really hard. And the way that dating culture is at the moment, that maybe that's the thing that's a bit broken and and you're not the thing to fit you know you're not broken it's dating so so yeah I think it's really easy to internalize all of that and think I'm doing something wrong I'm not good enough and when we're not feeling good enough we're more likely to like expect flaky behavior or, or tolerate even not even expect I think just tolerate that kind of behavior and accept it that that's the way you know, it is that we can't ask for more, that we can't set boundaries, that we can't say that's not cool with me, that we can't express ourselves. And so, yeah, I think that's, you know, part of the the, the struggle, you know. But also, you, it, it, it can also be like your attachment styles. So in attachment theory, I don't know if you've had anyone talk about this before. So I've been fascinated by this for so long. It's, um, it's actually, I love a framework. I love ways of understanding things. And Attachment theory for me is like a framework for understanding why relationships are so hard sometimes. And, um, you know, within, so there are four, I'll just give a really brief sort of like attachment theory 101, I guess. Um, There are four main attachment styles. So um, three are what's known as an insecure style. So insecure, anxious, insecure, avoidant and insecure it's a mixture of anxious and avoidant um that style goes by different names but let's just say it's anxious and avoidant for ease um and secure and within the population I think it's 50% of people are secure but within the pool of dating that is skewed it's not 50% of people that are dating are secure because those people who are secure are more likely to be in relationships already so you you know there is a pool of people within dating that where you have a bigger amount of insecure attachments than what you know we have in the population per se there's a book about attachment theory called attached and when I read that, it just helped me to really make sense of why I found relationships so, so hard. And um, a lot of the women that I coach also have an anxious attachment style. Um, And this can be quite confusing for someone who is dating with an anxious attachment style and wants to, you know, experience closeness in their uh, in their dating relationships, in their romantic relationships but who are attracted to people who have an avoidant style. If someone has an avoidant attachment style, they actually 
find um, that closeness quite um, suffocating, maybe overwhelming. And without awareness of our patterns, I think it can cause miscommunication. It can cause um, unnecessary hurt and pain um, in those dynamics. And um, yeah, I think like if you don't know anything about your attachment style and you realise that um, and, you, and you're experiencing, you know, people that disappear after date three or date five or, you know, people who um, are emotionally unavailable and you feel like you can never really get your needs met or you can never really, you know, express yourself. Like knowing that actually it's not anything personal, that actually it it can help to sort of... Yeah, distance um, it from your own identity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And I think it's also not just for dating, right? This applies to marriage long-term relationships like any existing relationship yeah and and even not even with people so I I've noticed that I have an anxious relationship with my business as well so I'm working on this kind of thing in all sorts of ways like in friendships um in my relationship in um you know, it can be in work relationships, it can be in relationship to something or, or even a place. And I think what's interesting is that you can have more than one style. So when I work with clients, I, I send them a survey to do to look at the different attachment styles that they have with different people. And it really surprises people because they're like, oh, like, I didn't realise I have an avoidant relationship with my mum, but I have an anxious relationship with my friend, but then a secure relationship with that friend, but with in romantic relationships, it's avoidant. And, and what, you know, how does that happen? And I think it's sort of like, I think that's really interesting because it shows the adaptability that we have in the ways that we relate. And I think that that's interesting for compatibility for women who are dating because it might just be that it's the dynamics of the relationship that's bringing out a lot of the insecurities in your attachment style rather than there being anything wrong with you. It's so interesting Um, and it makes me think about the whole of the relationship like I know when we were kind of talking about what we wanted to talk about on this in this upfront moment a question that is coming up a lot in the bond is this idea of fairness and kind of equity and equality yeah. in a relationship. I think particularly for couples who have young children. Um, and I would love to hear from you, kind of your your take on what does what does fairness in a relationship look like? Like how what are the lenses you think about that through, and also. What are the questions that you think the women listening should be asking themselves to help them understand, to kind of have that moment of reflection around like what is actually happening here? Like what is the status of fairness and and equality and respect in, in the relationship that I'm in? Yeah, so I think it's about defining that for yourself so what is a feminist relationship and then ditching the scripts that we've been given the outdated scripts about masculinity and um, femininity and what it means to you know be in in partnership with someone like ditching those scripts and 
writing your own ones together and and really talking about this and then communicating about you know it could be communicating about sources of tension in the relationship maybe it's sources of resentment in the relationship and why why that's coming up and you know what you can both do together to um you know create more fairness more equality more harmony in the relationship and you know that could look different for everyone I think for me um it mutual respect is really important in in our relationship and having like a equal division of of domestic responsibilities and um you know we've been together nearly 12 years now so we've had a lot of time to really practice getting this right but I think it's um it's definitely like it's it's equal like the domestic stuff I think um you know there's another lens to look at this in terms of finances you know what does fairness look like in your finances do you have joint finances um are you are you prioritizing your career is your partner are you is one prioritizing their career and the other is you know supporting that person or are you both you know prioritizing your careers and how does that impact everything else particularly if you you know if children are in the mix um I think also like listening to your body is a really good way to kind of I guess give you insight on what feels fair and what doesn't so I think fairness feels really good in the body like it feels good for the nervous system when things are are fair um so I'm not sure about questions to ask but I think you know checking in yeah checking in with yourself and listening to your body and then just having really open and honest um conversations and 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 knowing that compromise is okay well this is something in my relationship we know compromise is okay but it's compromise and not sacrifice so you know really supporting myself and my partner we really support each other in our careers we really like support and um protect each other's um sense of well-being and happiness and you know we check in with each other and and talk to each other about things that are bothering us uh and all this stuff has has taken time to um practice um and for it to be part of our, our relationship I think that's that really started with um you know just talking like talking about stuff and um yeah like giving yourself permission to like write your own write your own scripts yeah I think there's two things there for me like the writing your own script is something that me and my partner have been really actively talking and thinking about and it's I had a really you know pivotal conversation with a therapist friend of mine who kind of brought that idea to our conversation around in response to my to me feeling frustrated and a bit unheard and unseen was this idea of you know the 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 main reason this is so difficult is you are completely rewriting every script that has been handed to both of you in terms of our careers how we live where we live the choices we've made how we're in relationship with each other, the type of work we do, like there's a big long, how we parent, you know, Mm. it's all really very far away from both of our nuclear families. Mm. And 
it was such a kind of light bulb moment for me because it made it about this is something that we are that we've intentionally chosen to do together that's hard and that's why it's hard it's not that there's something within our dynamic that is uh, wrong or or broken and then the other part of this conversation and I've actually yet to do this exercise maybe this can be the upfront challenge that we present at at the end of the podcast but she gave me this exercise to do which was to essentially write down what my dream feminist partner would be mm. um and even if even just as i start to do that now like i'm so full of love and joy that my partner is very much that person in in lots of ways the other script <coughs> she asked me to write was or the story, like, what are all the things I believe and I've been taught to believe that men do when they love you? Mm. And this is the bit that's, this is the kind of space that I'm in at the minute that I'm trying to figure out because I can see that the conditioning from my life, just having grown up in the world that we grew up in, is so strong that, that, for example... I believe that men who love you get jealous and they are going to express that jealousy in a range of ways. My partner is not jealous, never would be jealous. That's not that's not a that's not a thing that would happen. And we've talked about it and it's because of his security and trust and all these brilliant feminist fair things that I want. But yet the conditioning that I've received is, you know, mainly around unhelpful. You know, you get a big white dress and you have, you know, all these different stories. So I really, really love the idea of of writing, writing new scripts and kind of writing that together. I forgot what the second thing was. But I feel like there'll be, I imagine there'll be folks listening who... This notion of like, let's sit down and chat it out feels too far away. It's like, I don't really know how we would do that or Mm. what I would say or what if he gets upset? What if I get upset? What if it ruins the mood? You know, I I can imagine that there's quite a lot of resistance. I mean, we could compare it to teams, right? The work that I do with leaders and teams, like you have to have feedback conversations and talk about things. Now, for some teams, that's just our DNA and it's how we roll, it's how we jam other teams it's like are you an alien that is not a thing that could ever happen here that's like our worst nightmare because the culture of that behavior just doesn't exist so you need to take it right back to like what are the small steps we can take so I wonder what your thoughts are for folks who might be in in that box who are listening thinking Lauren and Vicky this sounds great but I've got no idea kind of how I would start to do that yeah yeah and um it takes such a a huge amount of 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 bravery and skill to um have these kinds of conversations and I haven't you know it wasn't like me and my partner sort of did that like at the beginning like right we're, we're about to commit to each other let's talk about you know fairness and what that looks like in our relationship you know that's just um that just does not happen um 
but I think um, that I think for, for us it's probably come out of conversations around things that are not feeling right or you know maybe you know a source of resentment or stress you know and then just talking about that I, I think there are creative ways to do this so um one of the things that I have with a few friends <laughs> I'll say what it is and we can maybe adapt it to how it could fit in romantic relationships but it's called um a 60 second pity party where we put a timer on and if things are bothering us we both have 60 seconds to just vent about that thing that's bothering us and we we have 60 seconds each and it's such a relief just to like have a little vent and because it's only 60 seconds there's you know there's a bit of playfulness around that but also you know you're not going to be just venting for ages and both feeling in a bad mood um but I think I wonder if and I'm just thinking on the spot but I wonder if like in in romantic relationships is there a version of that where it, there is a space for the venting or there's a space to say you know what I, I felt quite resentful when I had to you know do the washing up for the fourth day in a row let's say can we talk about that you know like just opening up a dialogue about that um about like times when it's not feeling right to see and then having an, a sense of equality in that conversation where you both have a chance to say what you feel um but also there's a way of talking in uh, there's a way of kind of expressing yourself that is uh, i think it's called non-violent communication where a structure you could decide a structure and you both use that structure so it could be like when you do X or when you say this, I feel, um, you know, I feel resentful or I feel um, under pressure or I feel stifled or whatever the thing is. It would really help me if, what is the request? What, what, what would you want instead? Or what is your, in an ideal world scenario? It'd really help me if, and then say your request, um, is that okay? you know, and get a, get their consent, see how they feel about it, open up that conversation. It's good advice. And I think there's something else about, and I know that I've been guilty of this and I have to be really like mindful of it. It's not coming to these conversations, expecting a solution or an answer. It's like seeing these conversations as exploratory dialogue that will last for the rest of time you know it's a bit like the confidence the way we were talking about confidence it's like you know I really quickly slip into well what we're going to do about it then what's your task what's my task and how can we fix this and that you know is quite frankly unhelpful in most of those situations so yeah I think it's like the mindset that you bring to those conversations is just being mindful of your expectations it's like this is not you you chat on the sofa one night about you know you have a, a conversation like this and then the next day it all feels better <laughs> like it's a very mm -hmm. grad I think it's a gradual it's a gradual process yeah and um fairness could mean 50 50 or it could mean something else and you know if like if let's say 50-50 is a goal, like start with 1% percent 
better you know and then sort of building up like building up from there but I think um something that Brené Brown said in one of her podcasts um she talked about how her and her husband check in with each other and they give each other percentages of I think it's to describe like their energy and capacity for the day. So she said some days she's like a 20% and her husband's like a, a 60%. And so she, and, and so that, that is a sort of giving him um, intel into her capacity for that day. And maybe he needs to pick up the kids from school or, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is that they've got on that day, like they support each other. Um, but it could mean like they both, um, she was saying that sometimes, you know, they'll both be like, like a 20% and they're like, right, okay, what help do we need? We need to get takeaway tonight. Let's not cook. And like, you know, and, but, but I think that's like one example of like how you can be creative with this dialogue. Um, me and my husband actually use um, the spoons metaphor and, you know, one of us might say, oh, like, let blah, 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 has invited us for dinner. And then the other might say, oh, I'm really low on spoons this week you know can't can't do that do you um, want to explain what the spoon because i know that comes from communities who live with chronic pain and chronic illness and stuff is how i i'm familiar yeah. with that yeah so it's a way of describing how much energy that we have on any given day and um it's a way of understanding that things some things would take our spoons, like take our energy. So um, for someone who is living with chronic fatigue, they might have uh, X amount of spoons and um, those spoons are nearly gone by the end of the day through working, through cooking, through showering, through life admin and all those things. So it was a way for a way to understand that um, for people um, who are living with, you know, chronic fatigue. And it was, I'm not, I'm, I hope that I'm describing this um, in the right way. I, I'm, let's find a link to put in the show notes for people if they want to learn more about this. But I remember when I learned about this um, in the context of, of that community of people living with chronic fatigue, I thought it was a really useful way of talking about energy. And I told my husband about it. And then we just started using it like in language, you know, everyday language, like, oh, um, have you got enough spoons? Yeah, have you got enough spoons for that? Or should we do this? And not, not so much, not this week. And uh, yeah, we find it a really useful way of understanding like capacities and energies. Um, so yeah, these are just examples of how, how we can find ways of, um, yeah, talking about this stuff. And so you know that we are on a mission to support one million women, non-binary folks with their confidence and their visibility and their power. How do you think the world would change from your vantage point when we meet our goal? I think the world will be a much more honest place, a much fairer place, um, a more interesting, a more interesting place as well. What would make it more interesting, do you think? Because it's curious, I'll share with your last podcast guest. I had uh, Zoe Blasky, who's the founder of Motherkind, an incredible podcast aimed at mothers talking really specifically about matrescence, the kind of period of life where you become a mother. Um, and when I asked her that question, her answer immediately was marriages would completely change. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, I think that all of the things that 
relationships and marriages need to thrive like being able to talk about how we feel advocate for ourselves and set boundaries and and to do that brave thing of of loving of giving and receiving love when it's so uncertain (laughs) and such a huge risk because when we love we when we open ourselves up to love we also risk rejection and hurt and pain and disappointment and so all of those things require confidence you know require courage so maybe the world would have more love in it you know maybe relationships would be more harmonious marriages would be more um marriages will be more harmonious and thriving and we'd all have a little bit more love in our lives or a lot more love in our lives oh it's given me warm fuzzy feelings to imagine that (laughs) and this has been so so lovely and so I think quite cha- quite challenging ideas to think about because they're also big and complicated ideas, but ones we're all we're all living in this space, whether it's our relationship with ourselves, our friends, our partners. Like love, love is at the centre of all of it, mm. isn't it? It is. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. Yeah, it is. So thank you so so much, Vicky, for being here and for sharing your story and insights with us i will put a link to your website in the show notes so folk can come follow you and do you want how can people work with you if they would like to do that yeah so you can head to my website vickypavitt.com and there's free resources there um to start with one of my resources is a what's called a dating debrief guide which um is a reflection self-reflection process that you can use after a date and you can find that there's um, a free newsletter you can sign up to you can find all about my find out more about my my coaching program my love coaching program um i'm actually just opening the doors to new clients for the next three months so i work with clients on a three-month journey yeah it's really exciting for the autumn winter season so if you're thinking about making that kind of change in your love life and wanting to learn how to date with more confidence then um yeah come and check out um it'll it'll be the love coaching page on on my website you can see it there yeah beautiful we will well thank you again enjoy your cold water swim tomorrow i will be thinking about you as i have mine (laughs) enjoy yours i look forward to seeing how that um, evolves as it gets colder and yeah you'll have to share all your mantras and how you how you coach yourself through that i got a new (laughs) bright a new bright orange woolly hat that was one of my strategies because it's like (laughs) if i'm going to be in my swimsuit and a woolly hat i want the hat to be a great hat yeah a joyful inspire you So that is that's that's been done. But yeah, thank you so much, Vicky, and I'll talk to thank you soon. You. Your upfront challenge this week is all about these love scripts that we have for ourselves and our partners, the people we are seeing, the people we are with. What does a feminist relationship look and feel like for you? What does a fair partnership look and feel like for you? What is an equal relationship 
mean? What are some of the old scripts around love and relationships? Toxic masculinity, positive femininity. What are some of these old scripts that you want to tear up and throw away forever? And what are some of the new scripts that you want to write for yourself, together with your partner, for your future relationships? Start to write them down. Have the conversations. Let me know how you get on. I believe in you. Thank you so much for listening, friend. Let me know how you get on with your upfront challenge. You can always write to me, lauren at weareupfront.com. Let me know what this moment made you think about. And don't forget to sign up to our amazing Upfront newsletter. Every Tuesday, I send links, inspiration and insight around confidence, power and visibility to over 5,000 inboxes. Guaranteed gumption and action. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront moment.